crying, crying. You know we're playing to a full house, house. No heroes, villains, one to blame. While we'll see roses fill the stage and the thrill, the thrill is gone. Our debut was a masterpiece, but in the end for you and me on this show, it can't go on. used to have it all, but now's our curtain call, so hold for the applause, oh, 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 oh. and wave out to the Welcome to the Daniel Workman Show. It is yours truly, coming to you live at 9 a.m. Eastern on the East Coast and 6 a.m. on the West Coast. That's your West Coast wake-up call. 
and all time zones in between. Yesterday is a day that every Barca fan will want to forget. And every Liverpool fan will rejoice in for the rest of their lives. What a cataclysmic meltdown by Barcelona. And what a triumphant fight and effort and heart shown by Liverpool. It was... If ever you saw a game that was the embodiment of the two managers, yesterday was that day. Um, I have I have not been a a big uh, fan of Valverde. I I just don't like the way his team is uh, set up to play tactically. Um, he seems like a real nice guy, um, and and all of that. And so it's not taking anything away from him personally. I'm just not not necessarily a fan of him as a manager. And um, you know, look, it was. Uh, you know, you come out to play a game and, and, and your team is not even attempting to keep possession. And I, I was talking uh, with a coach last night and, uh, and and I asked him the question. I said, if you go, if you're on the road, if you're in an away match, you're up 3-0, how do you, knowing that the other team has to come at you, how do you how do you quiet the crowd? How do you calm the game down? And he and and he said, well, by keeping the ball away from them. And I said, exactly. And yet Valverde went in with the opposite plan, which was, I'm going to play a four four two two flat rows of four. The team rarely plays in, um, except maybe at the end of a game where they're trying to you know uh, see out a game. Not from the start, you know. You're totally um, removing any opportunity for a player like Busquets to just carve a team up when he hasn't few options because they're all in a row. Um, so it was it was just a tactical debacle from Valverde and two years in a row going out after being up three goals in the in the second leg of the Champions League semifinals is enough for me to say that he needs to go and I hope he does and I wish him well. Uh, on the other hand, Liverpool, my second favorite team. So it was, a, it was odd. My kids kept asking me like, who, you know, how do you feel? How do you feel? And, and I, you know, Barcelona is my number one club. And, and so I'm, I'm sick to my stomach today that, that what happened happened yesterday on, on the Liverpool side of the ledger. Um, you know, look, it was incredible. The, the, but I didn't expect anything less. I predicted on yesterday's show that Liverpool would win. Uh, I mean, excuse me, Barcelona would win 2-1 because Liverpool would, would come at them. They would score. Barcelona would equalize. And then Liverpool would be throwing in the ki- kitchen sink, trying to get us, trying to get, you know, back in, in, in into a close match. And that would open themselves up for Barca to get that second goal. And that was going to be it, you know. And, um, you know, boy, did I, boy, did I miss Valverde's uh, ominous um, outlook on this game because I expected uh, Barcelona to come out and play and um, and try to, you know, try to quiet the game down and, and, and play through the lines and, and control the game. And 
and uh, I was completely wrong when I saw the tactics and the setup. I was I was you know not feeling real great uh, from the outset. It just was not. That's not Barcelona. I mean, the team that you saw yesterday. That's not the team that that the world knows is Barcelona. Uh, look more like a Jose Mourinho experiment at Chelsea than than Barcelona. It was horrible, and um, I just I, I my hats off to to Liverpool to Klopp to all of the the guys on the team. They kept coming and kept believing and kept trying and kept working, and then. You know, you get to the end and and you're at three three. You're, you're staring down extra time and penalties, and uh, you get a corner late, and then you get Trent Alexander Arnold, who is just crafty. He's alert. He 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 he's kind of walking away, and he realizes that Barcelona's asleep, and 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 they're asleep because they they. It was like a, a heavyweight fight, and they gotten punched in the in in the in the chin, and and they were dazed and confused still they could i mean they they still all that time later still couldn't believe they were tied 3-3 you could tell they were all just out there in a fog and they couldn't get it together and he realizes they're sleepwalking and alertly you know realizes Origi's ready and he just takes it and um before liverpool you know has a has a chance to to get set and Man, it was a it was a great move on his part. It was crafty. It's the kind of stuff that we need to see more in American soccer. Kids thinking for themselves, being creative, being being uh, at you know taking advantage of a moment. Um, crafty. Uh, I, I love the moxie and the and the intelligence from that moment. It, it, it was just he he realized there was an opportunity and he took it and it was great. Um, you know, and he received praise from that. You know, some people thought it was a little cheap or or kind of cheating. It's not cheating. If, if the ball's in play, it's your job to be ready. And, you know, Barcelona wasn't ready. They weren't ready the whole match. I mean, I don't know why they're complaining about the corner, uh, if any of the players were. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Uh, Suarez went on to say that the Barca uh, defense, uh, they look like kids in the collapse. And, and I agree. The whole team was just... Um, they were they were ill prepared and and obviously all of the tactics and 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 the lineup was just horrendous and and you you know you the for me the buck stops with the manager the manager's the one that's got to call those shots and put the right team on the field and set the team up for success and you know I, I've been saying it for a while but. Um, Juego de Possession, which is the philosophy of Pep, and and was carried on by by Tito Villanova, um, and and has been slowly declining since their departure, and and now you can tell it's gone. I mean, it's just gone. It's not there, and um, I you know I I'm just disappointed, really disappointed, but happy for for the guys at Liverpool. Um, they. You know, it looked like they were not going to have a chance for any hardware at the end of this season, and they've had an incredible season. And for them to come back and do that and give themselves a chance uh, at hardware in the in the Champions League finals, incredible. And, you know, look, uh, I don't anticipate a, any kind of letdown or mess up by Man City this weekend, but um, who knows? Maybe, maybe... Liverpool is destined to to get them both in the end, and and we'll we'll all look back at this in a few weeks and just be like, wow, what just happened? Who knows? We'll see. Um, it it uh, it was an incredible 
incredible day at uh, Anfield and um you know for all of the accolades and and proclamations about that being the the greatest european night at anfield and some were were, were arguing the greatest night ever at anfield it's hard to argue against it i mean it was it was clear that uh klopp had his guys ready to play and the reason why i i feel like if ever there was a that was a match that was the embodiment of the two managers that that was it because Klopp, Klopp never gives up. He's always going to fight to the end. He's going to believe in his guys, and and even without Salah, even without Firmino, he he was he was going to go into that match with a with a plan and and try to instill a, a level of belief into those players that guys we're going to go after it, and and if we go down, we're going to go down fighting. We're not going to lay down, and and Liverpool uh, came out and and embodied what he was was wanting to do and in, in, in the spirit and in, in credit to him, but credit to those guys for taking that upon themselves. And, you know, I, the, the, the match at the camp new was, was, uh, you know, a one-sided score, but it was not a one-sided affair. Liverpool had their chances and they just didn't take them. It could have it, really, it could have been over in, in, in Barcelona and uh, Messi papered over uh, massive cracks and those cracks have been there for a long time under Valverde, and even going back before that. I mean, this th- that team is is um, you know got some major issues. Messi's just that good. That's how, if people want to know how good Messi is, that squad, that team is 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 not as good as people think. It's just that that Messi is that good. He's that good, and. Um, you know, and then and then Barca goes out and plays the way Valverde sets them up, and and in the image of Valverde, and and it was shambles, and it was awful, and uh, you could tell the team didn't believe in what they were doing, and uh, they didn't play with conviction in the way that they were trying to play, and and you know it probably wasn't, you know, certainly wasn't natural because that's not the way that they like to play, and. Um, and so I just think he got it all wrong, and and I think the team looked like they got it all wrong, and uh, they deserve all the criticism that they get. And uh, hopefully, uh, the Barcelona brass will be held accountable, and and we'll see some changes. Um, and uh, at the Camp Nou and going forward, because uh, I think I think that squad and that team and Messi need a, a different leader uh, leading the the day to day from the managerial position. So I hope. I hope I hope that happens. Um, I, I wish Valverde well and all of that, but um, man, that was uh, that was that was brutal from a Barcelona perspective and amazing from a Liverpool perspective. So um, it was it was an incredible day. If you missed it, shame on you. You you missed uh, a historic night. Um, in in global football not just champions league but of all time that is an all-timer right there all timer um in incredible stuff so look the sponsor for today's show is charity water they provide clean drinking water to people all over the world and um they are they are changing lives changing villages changing communities and uh if you want to learn more about them go to charitywater.org We will be right back in just a few moments with Ken Richards. 
पहला मोपनी बच बच्चा अवस्था में रहता है मेरे मेरे क्यों कल्पना करेगे थी ना कि तो अयले को बच्चा लाई मेरे शुद्ध तहरी अथवा उन्हें लग क्लास में गया तो निकी बन्नी मेरा बंदा है उन्हें रूप बच्चा ले एक क्लास दो क्लास तीन तीन क्लास का बच्चा ले उन्हें लग सहज ही रुपए चाहिए तो ये तो बच्चा Welcome back to the show. We are delighted to have joining us Ken Richards. Ken, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. Thank you for having me. So, Ken, um, a lot has has been going on in in your family and in in, in your life. Uh, but before we get into to Chris, which is probably why this soccer audience knows your family, give us a little bit of a background on on you and and kind of your your um, involvement with sports. Uh, as I understand it, you were not necessarily a soccer guy growing up. No, I was not. I. Um... Honestly, I never really saw soccer growing up. I think I may have saw soccer, like, in real life maybe once growing up as a kid. Um, I never really saw soccer probably till I was an adult. I paid much attention anyway. So um, what, what, was your, what was your favorite sport kind of growing up um, if soccer wasn't really part of that, that picture for you? Football was my first love. Then I started playing baseball, and basketball was the last sport that I started playing, but it was the one that I stuck with and um, that I played all throughout college, and I played some semi-pro as well. So you you get married, you, you, you start having kids, and then soccer enters enters the house uh, with, uh, with Chris. Um, what was that experience like as a as a brand new soccer dad having uh really no experience uh in the game you know were you just kind of a spectator did you roll up your sleeves and try to help out what what what, what were your what was your kind of thoughts as a as a brand new soccer dad 
I was more of an, a spectator, but I would go out and, you know, kick the ball around with them and those type things. But I couldn't really teach them any of the skills that were necessary for soccer. Um, but, you know, like I said, I was able to run around with them and, you know, chase them with the ball. So, you know, during game time, I let the coaches take the coaching and I spectated. But, you know, at other times when we were at home, we would go in the backyard and kick the ball around. Um, so that was kind of my involvement you know, as far as the soccer was concerned growing up. So you guys are from the Birmingham, Alabama area. And Alabama, uh, as a, as someone who is from Alabama myself, um, this state is not known as a soccer hotbed. Uh, and uh, <laughs> right. So you, you yeah, exactly. and I, you and I both know that uh, that that there's there's two questions you often get asked, especially if you're new to the area. The, the first question is Alabama or Auburn. And the second question is, where do you go to church? And, um, right. <laughs> right. So, um, so soccer is not in either of those top two questions. And, and so, uh, it's, it's completely understandable to, to be in that situation as an, as a new soccer dad and, and trying to, you know, help your son. And, and, and yet at the same time, understand that there's, there's some limitations there just because of, 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 uh, not having, uh, that be a big part of the culture here in Alabama. So, so Chris starts playing and, and, you know, was obviously doing well there in Alabama was, you know, was, um, getting better and better and better was, was getting more and more recognition. Uh, at what point did, did you guys as a family have a conversation about, you know, something beyond Birmingham at, at, at any level, just, you know, thinking, okay, hey, we've got to do something beyond this. Um, I think when he was about 14, about 14, he was, um, he was playing and he had actually went out to ODP and he had went to the um, regional ODP down in Orleans down at IMG and he did really well and made the all-star team and um, they went on a trip to Argentina and they played um, some of the teams some of the academies down there and he did really well and I think it was kind of at this point that we kind of started to think that you know he may have maybe he's outgrown this a little bit you know he needs to be playing somewhere that's a little bit more advanced where he's going to be challenged a little bit more and um, it also helps that one of his coaches that were that was um, on the ODP team, you know, told him as well that he thought he needed to be in an in an academy somewhere. And so that kind of began the process of us starting to think about, you know, sending him to, you know, trying to get him into an academy. So the the academies uh that that you're considering um were right around the corner correct i mean they were just you know a stone's throw away from the house uh, of course not <laughs> no uh, no we we obviously in the state of alabama we don't have one we do, we do not have an academy um atlanta united had just uh, i think they had just come onto this thing and um uh, we were trying to reach out and get contacts to get into Atlanta um, for a trial, and you know it never worked out. So, like I said, when he was on the trip to Argentina, one of his coaches told him that he, would, you know, he had some people that were um, affiliated with 
some of the academy thing. He's going to reach out to them and, and let them know about him. And he said, we may be getting some calls. And I think it was maybe, I don't know, two months or something. I think it came back from Argentina. We got a call from um, Eric Quill and uh, with the Houston Texans. And, uh, you know, it kind of went from there. So you you talk to Eric and you're you're having a conversation about the Houston Texans. Um, that's obviously not in Birmingham, so you know, three states away, and you're you're having a conversation about your son playing in an academy. What was that conversation like for all the parents out there between you and your wife in terms of how? how do we how do we go about doing this you know are we do we move down there do we send chris down there what does that look like what, what what was that kind of conversation like between you and your wife when you're when you're trying to figure out how can we do you know what's best for chris and in his development and in his and getting him you know better opportunities um all of those things that you mentioned went through our minds you know do do we try to get jobs down there and move there? Um, you know, are we are we even willing to let him go? Um, you know, if we decide to go to other routes or where he stays with a host family, you know, because if we do that, then we miss two years of his, you know, his last two years of high school. Um, you know, so all those thoughts are going through our minds. But when Eric called us, um, you know, he told us about himself. He told us about the club and what he was trying to do. And, you know, he told us about a host family that he had spoken with and that they would be willing to let Chris, you know, live with them and everything. They had a son that was like maybe like two years younger than Chris. And then they had a daughter. Um, and so the son played soccer. Both of the kids played soccer, but the son, um, he played the same position as Chris. And, um, you know, so Eric kind of told us all these things. And and then, you know, after, I want to say it was a couple of days later, we got on the phone and we, we spoke with the host family. And, um, you know, they seemed like really nice people. And, you know, we set up a time for, for us to go down to Houston and, and to meet with Eric and as, as well as to meet the Eastern, which was the host family that if we decided to do this, that he would be staying with. And, you know, after getting a chance to meet, you know, Eric and the Easterns, it it kind of put us at ease a little bit about, you know, where he would be as far as playing and um, where he would be staying, the family that he would be staying with. But we were still kind of pondering, you know, do we want to let him, you know, go for these last two years of high school that we'll, we'll you know, we would miss out on. And ultimately we decided that it was, it was necessary for him, you know, in order to pursue his dream and to get to where he was trying to go. It was a necessary um, move that he would have to make. So how involved was Chris in that conversation? Was he really pushing for this or was he, you know, what, where, what was, where was his head at in terms of kind of that debate uh, in, in, in that was going on between you and your wife and, you know, figuring out as parents and it's tough. Um, you know, when th there's a lot of people that take for granted, um, 
the the pathway and I, and that's what I want to get to here in a few moments the pathway that you guys and Chris have been on uh, it, it, it's just it's it's not something that a lot of people especially Americans just can wrap their heads around so right. w- what was what was Chris's mentality like during this time was he thinking yeah let's do it was he apprehensive about it what, where where was he at no, he, he, he was pretty excited, you know, being, um, he was maybe 15 at the time, being a 15-year-old kid, you know, all he knew was that he wanted to play soccer at a higher level, um, you know, to pursue his dream. And I don't think he had thought it out as far as, wow, you know, I'm going to be like nine, 10 hours away from home from my family and stuff. So, you know, I think he was just looking at the soccer side and, um, you know, putting himself in a better situation to be seen by more people and to um, hopefully get better as well and to be pushed. And so he was, he was really excited about it. He was, um, he wanted to take on that, the, um, he wanted to take that opportunity and try to make the most of it. So he, he, he's in Houston. He's obviously, getting better, getting more uh, noticed, uh, being there in a development academy team, you're going to get more eyeballs. And, and that's that's part of the um, byproducts of a flawed system is that you've got to, you, you have to go, you have to leave places like Birmingham, Alabama, with a metro market size of over a million people to to, to 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 move states away just to get a scout to see you it's insane that this is right. american soccer in, in in 2019 um much less 2015 2010 i mean it's 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 mind-blowing to me and i had this this own uh the same type of conversation with people uh with my own uh son and and that we have to do similar things to what you guys have had to do in terms of traveling to to LA we've traveled to Atlanta we've traveled um to other parts of the country and to Europe always having to try to seek out opportunities cuz you you just you will not get them here and no people people look at me funny when i say that with such absolute terms but it's it's the truth. A U.S. soccer scout and 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 these professional scouts are not out and about throughout the country uh, looking at places like Birmingham uh, on a on a regular basis. They're you know um, if your son was good enough to to get to Bayern Munich and was good enough to to get opportunities, Atlanta United being an hour and a half away should have been a no-brainer right. right and uh and, right. and yet yeah. we 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 have a system that just you know it it doesn't even incentivize atlanta to to drive 90 minutes away to find you know a, a kid that has the talent that your son has uh, they have no incentive to other in their minds we've got plenty of kids in atlanta why would we go look anywhere right. else right, right. so Right. So Chris, Chris is, is, you know, making a name for himself there in South Texas and he's, and he's building it up and he, he gets, uh, the, the opportunity to, to then go from Houston to FC Dallas. 
And mm-hmm. how long is he with FC Dallas at this point before before Germany happens? He was um, he was in his first year there. Um, I think the Germany thing started to come. He got to FC Dallas, I want to say, in August of that year. And in, in May of that following year, he was flying to Germany for a 10-day trial with Bayern Munich. Um, you know, and I say, it, you know, he got to Dallas. You know, I, I mentioned it, uh, he ended up going to Houston, but he actually went on trial with Dallas before he went to Houston. And, um, you know, Dallas said he just wasn't, um, they didn't think he was quite ready. And, you know, I think that was part, that kind of gave him motivation when Houston call, came calling, you know, and he, you know, he saw on the schedule that they played FC Dallas twice. And so I think that that really, you know, he, he marked those games. He circled those games. He was looking forward to playing against LC Dallas. And um, obviously he played really well against LC Dallas because they they came, you know, after his first year with the Texans and, you know, they, they wanted him to come there. So now, now we're 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 turning dreams into reality. When when Chris goes to Germany on a ten day trial, and you know things, you know, starting to look like Europe becomes real. Um, mm-hmm. What you know, it's one thing to send your your kid three states away to live with a host family in the same country. Um, mm-hmm. it's another thing to start having the conversation of, holy cow, our son is not going three states away. He's flying seven, eight hours away, uh, to a different continent and, uh, you know, different country, different everything. Um, mm-hmm. what was that conversation like when that started to become real? I mean, obviously there's gotta be excitement, but there's also gotta be like, you know, pinch myself. Is this real? You know, is this going to work out? You know, what what's going through your head and your wife, you know, you and your wife, what, what's going through your heads as you're kind of going through this as, you know, as his parents and just trying to figure out, you know, what comes next? Right. Um, well, like you said, we did kind of pinch ourselves to see where we came from and where we were at in a matter of two years um, from being here in Alabama, wondering what was going to be our next move to he's going to arguably one of the top five clubs in the world for trial. So, you know, it was, it was happening very fast and, you know, it was, it was all kind of like a blur, but, you know, we were, we were, um, we were comfortable with sending them to Germany because I had been to Germany with work. So I had been there. I, you know, I, I kind of knew some of that area and stuff. And, um, so, you know, we felt comfortable with it for those reasons. And also because he's pretty mature for his age, you know, he had been away for two years from home and kind of when he was in Dallas, he was, he was kind of on his own. He had him and three other roommates, but you know, he was kind of having it to, you know, take care of, you know, they would take care of themselves. So, you know, we felt, we felt pretty comfortable with them going there. And, and, you know, we were also told that he would be staying on their, on their campus in a dorm. So, 
yeah, we felt comfortable with that decision for him to to go. So um, the the move happens, right? And he and he heads to Germany. Um, what is that? What is that like for you guys as a family in terms of? you know, keeping in touch? Is it a lot of FaceTime? You know, how often do you, yes. you know, <laughs> how often yes. do, do, do you get to, to go over? Um, you know, obviously during the season, I'm sure he's not able to come back. So, you know, is, mm -hmm. w what's that reality like for families out there whose kids are dreaming of, you know, playing at a Bayern Munich or an FC Barcelona or Manchester United uh, or Liverpool or anything right. like that? Well, yeah, we um we spend a lot of time FaceTiming, FaceTiming and texting. Um, you know, we um we've been over twice since he's been there, and he's been back to the states twice, two or three times. So we've gotten a chance to see him when he was here. He was here with the country calf, and he came back last summer when they came for the ICC Cup, and um, he was home for Christmas as well. So. You know, we'll probably make another trip there in the early fall. But, um, yeah, a lot of FaceTime and a lot of texting. And, you know, just depending on your situation, my wife and myself, we both work. So, you know, obviously we, we have a limited amount of vacation. But, um, yeah, we just, as a matter of fact, we just got back April 14th from, from visiting him. And so it's um it's challenging. But like I said, it's, he's he's pursuing and he's living his dream and so you know we we deal with it and and, and that that phrase right there we deal with it is is so spot on because uh you know when you talk to a, a baseball parent or an american football parent or a, a basketball parent and you try to explain to them you know that that soccer is a different animal that that you there's just different uh, requirements for you as a family and for your kids. Um, and the way that I try to explain it to people, especially in the South, is um, you, you know what SEC football is like? And they'll be like, you know, yeah, duh, obviously the best college football in the country, right? Uh, I'm like, well, that's European soccer. So if you want to play at the best places in the best clubs, the best stadiums, the, the highest level – that's where you have to go. That has, that's your ambition. Right. So, you know, when when you're um, looking at me like, man, you, you know, you're taking your son to to Holland and to Denmark and to the other places in Europe or all over the country. Why are you doing this? And and my my response to them is always, well, that's the you know, if he'd have picked golf, I could have stayed home. <laughs> I mean, right. You know, it's just. It's a reality. Uh, it's it's an unfortunate reality, and it and it's really where I, I want to 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 land with this conversation with, you know, with you because you you've already um, you know lived this and are living this, um, and and being from where where you're from in the Birmingham area, not having access to uh, development academies and having to you know make some of these difficult choices which you know quite frankly you guys you know 
should be commended for your support and and belief in in your son's ability and his dreams and all of that. I don't think it's talked about enough, uh, honestly, because there are a lot of parents who would look at that and go, well, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's better, but, you know, I don't really think I want to send you, you know, three states away or, you know, see you go to Dallas right. or then inter- really entertain this idea of going to Europe. I mean, when it, when it becomes reality. So, you know, for, for you guys to do that, first off, my hat's off kudos. Um, and, and Thank I, you. I think you guys deserve a, an, an amazing amount of praise in that. Secondly, the system that we have that has entire States in the, in the dark. And when I say in the dark, I think uh, I use that as an analogy similar to cell phones back in the day. You know, when they were first coming online in the late 80s, early 90s, I mean, if you got off the interstate, good luck, your phone wasn't going to work. <laughs> right. Right? right. Nowadays, these, these kids, they, they're walking around and they're, you know, they, they can't even operate a flip phone because they're like, the screen doesn't work. I mean, I keep touching the right. screen, it doesn't work. <laughs> And, 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 uh, I remember, I remember my mom when her, her first cell phone was a, one of those old bag phones, you know, three Watts and, and, yep. you know, I mean, she, yep. she thought she was hot stuff uh, in her minivan. Um, yeah. and, uh, and nowadays, you know, we got amazing technology just walking around in our pockets, but, but it's the soccer system is similar to, to what cell phones were in the late eighties, early nineties in that if you get out of a, of a few you know, major um, hotbed areas, by and large, mm-hmm. there are just giant chunks of the country that even if you had a three-watt bag phone, you're not getting through. I mean, you're not getting seen, you're not getting access, you're not getting opportunities. And, you know, this is affecting um, kids of, of all races. It's it's affecting kids of all socioeconomic statuses. It, it it's as much about geography as it is anything else. And it's a shame uh, to, to see it. And, you know, you guys lived it and, and obviously have gone through that. And, and you've got two younger kids um, as well. And so in, when you look at the landscape of our system and the, the lack of access, um, what what were what were some of the biggest challenges and hurdles that you guys had to get over to to even get where you are today with Chris? Mm. Um, I would say our biggest one was just um, getting recognition outside of you know, outside of this area, you know, it's just like you said, Alabama is not considered a hotbed for, for soccer. Um, you know, it was, it took something like OEP in order to get them seen at more of a national level. Um, you know, because honestly, he was, he had been this type of player for years. Um, but we just couldn't we couldn't get that the recognition or the break that we needed in order to um you know be able to get into an academy or to be seen by the US national team and i can remember there would be sometimes we would be playing like at disney tournaments 
and stuff. And, you know, we would see a U.S. scout and we'd go, okay, yeah, you know, maybe it's the time they're going to see him and they're going to, you know, invite us to a camp. But, you know, it, it didn't happen. But um, I just think for us, the, 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 the biggest hurdle was just the recognition of, you know, being seen in order to get some of these opportunities that we now, you know, have had come our way. It it is it is probably one of the the toughest factors um, that this idea of proximity um, really mm-hmm. matters in American soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk to scouts in Europe frequently, and uh, a couple of them I, I spoke to last week were both talking about how how you can get to pretty much anywhere you want to go in Europe in terms of finding players, you know, clubs are talking, right. scouts are talking. It's, it's a very active, um, open system and not just in the clubs with promotion and relegation, but open system in the standpoint of the soccer economy that's over there and, and player transfers and player valuations and, you know, finding player X that's at maybe a smaller club who, you know, they be a similar type of uh, of player to Chris, who you know maybe mm-hmm. was overlooked, maybe was from an area that didn't you know quite get um, you know as hard a look or as deep a look as, as some others, and then you know they, they start that that player starts playing well at that club, and because of that system, there's just more eyeballs, there's more scouts, there's more right. people looking, and 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 it's much easier to find them in. You know, if you if you if you look at some of these stories of players who who have made it and some of the sacrifices they've made, you, you look at somebody like Messi, and you know, obviously he left Argentina and and and, and went to Barcelona uh, long ago. That was a big journey. Yeah. But you look at some of these other players and the and, and the sacrifices, right? And, and they're being they're being serious about these sacrifices that they made, like Ronaldo leaving home. Uh, in Portugal to go, you know, a couple hours right. away to to Lisbon right. to, to 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 start to make it. Uh, Griezmann, same thing, couple hours left at fourteen, mm-hmm. left his family. I have I have I know I have friends who who grew up in Europe who who had similar stories where they they you know needed an op- a better opportunity and they they moved an hour or two hours away to to get that. We're we're talking about American kids, not. I mean, if it's an hour or two hours away, you can manage getting to Atlanta on the weekends to watch matches or to right. go over and check on Chris, right? right? I mean, um, exactly. yes. th- that's manageable. Um, th- it's a different story to, to send him, you know, 10 hours away, um, right. you know, to, to Houston or, or Dallas or, or, or later on, you know, obviously the opportunity comes for Germany and that's a whole animal altogether, but this idea that our system is is essentially locking out due to geography access for quality players and and one of the things that that I love about your family and your story and Chris's story is it proves that we have players we have talented players all over this country and yes. yes, we do. And we cannot say with certainty that our best players are 
are the players that are playing at the highest level because there are so many players like mm-hmm. Chris who had you guys not made those sacrifices to go to Houston and then allow him to go to Dallas. We may not know Chris Richards today, right? right? I mean, right. he may be right. he may That's be it. looking at a at a college scholarship, maybe getting an MLS one day or something like that, but we would not know Chris Richards as we know him today. And, and we wouldn't know your family as we know it today because his, his, his pathway was, was a pathway that had all of these roadblocks and, and you guys were courageous enough and bold enough to believe in, in your son's talent and ability and to actually let that process play out, support that process uh, which is a hard thing right. to do. It's a it's a really hard right. thing to do. I, I wish parents could get could wrap their heads around what you guys did. Um, we're staring that same same thing down with our own, you know, son right now who mm-hmm. is about to turn fourteen and um, and 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 trying to figure out what does that what does that life look like for for us and for him and 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 how do we support that right and so um that's right that's right you know so it's 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 definitely it's definitely a tough thing um to to for for people who you know maybe they're they're not in soccer at all and they're just like what are you doing you know like what why are you doing that you know and it's like man if if you picked any other sport i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't be having to do this but you know it, it is it's the sport he loves and it's the sport uh, that he's committed to and and that's where the opportunities are so um, I've been I've been asking a lot of guests this and I want to ask you because I think your perspective on this is is gonna is different than a lot of people's because of the pathway that your family's been on and 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 Chris has been on if you could change if you were king of American soccer for a day and so we granted you, uh, supreme authority for for a day to be the the supreme ruler the king of american soccer what would you do uh what would you change what's the one thing you would do differently or or better uh for american soccer oh wow that's a tough one <laughs> um i think i would try to put together a um a better scouting system or maybe a scouting network to where a lot of these players that are in some of these, I guess, quote unquote, not so hotbeds of soccer would, would be seen, would have the opportunity to be seen. Um, whether it be through hosting more camps in some of these, some of these other cities that are not as well known for soccer or whether it's having more scouts out there that are scouring these different places and, you know, inputting all this information or data from different players that they're seeing into one network that the whole U.S. soccer system would have access to. Well, that make that makes sense and uh, is sorely needed. Um, and, you know, hopefully uh, our system improves um, over the next five to ten years and we start to see more scouts in more places, more clubs getting more opportunities as well as more players and coaches getting more opportunities as well. Um, good luck to, to your family and, and to Chris um, yeah. it, with, with 
his journey and his dream where what level what team what what's what is his setup right now with Bayern Munich right now he's he's been playing with the United Saints um you know he's trained with the first team uh so and um you know he's he's dressed out with the U23s I think like twice so um Right now, like I said, he's predominantly with the U19, and he's done some training with the first team. So he's, he's he has his last game Saturday, um, and then he flies off to um, Poland to be with the national team, U20 national team, getting ready for the World Cup. Well, that's exciting stuff, and uh, we we wish him well and and good luck in the entire. U twenty team, good luck uh, this summer as they pull on the uh, the national team jersey and and represent the country in the in the U twenty World Cup and uh, best best of luck you. to to you guys and and Thank like you. I said, major kudos to you and and your wife and uh, and your family for believing and sacrificing and working to to make this opportunity a reality. Um, Thank you. you guys should should definitely be commended for that. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for joining us. And uh, I really, really appreciate you uh, sharing your thoughts and, and some of the, the background um, behind the, the decisions and and the pathway um, that, that Chris and your family have been on the last few years. So thanks for joining the show. All right. Thank you for having us. And um, good luck to you and your family and your, your future decision as well with your son. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Take care. Bye. That is Bye. Chris Richards' dad, Ken, uh, who who joined the show. Um, man, it's. It, I I just I really do wish that people understood um, the sacrifices that 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 families like Chris uh, Chris's families had to make over the years. Um, just. To, to allow your son to leave and go that far away um, at, you know, that young of an age to, to chase a dream, um, it, it is what it is. And, and I'm not saying it, it never happens in an open system that don't 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 take me wrong. I, I'm not saying that. But my my point about the open system piece is that when you do have an open system, you provide opportunities for kids in more places. And that is, <clears throat> that is the, 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 the element that is missing in our country. Um, you know, you can, you can be in a place like Birmingham, Alabama, and have plenty of people to have, you know, a top level uh, professional football club you know, soccer club and, and, and find players, develop players and, and do all of those things. And yet for so long, we have been dealing with an issue of not having that kind of access to uh, places like that. And then, and then when you do find the access, when you do get that opportunity where you go and you play, well at a, at a on a on, on a trip and you finally get it seen somewhere else and it's usually not where you where you're from then the family then 
goes, well, that's great, but now what are we looking at? And in the case of, of Chris Richards, it's, it's I've got to leave Alabama. No, I'm not going to Mississippi. No, I'm not going to Louisiana. I'm going all the way down to Houston, Texas to get, in, to get a chance. And then from Houston, then I get to, to Dallas. And then from Dallas, now I finally get to Germany. And, you know, as, as beneficial as that was for Chris in, in terms of helping him grow up and helping him take responsibility at a younger age and, 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 and really prepare him, if, if, if he handled it, and it looks like he has handled it well um, to, to becoming a professional, it's still crazy that we in this country with the resources that we have and the 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 access um that we don't have for these players that we're in a situation in 2019 where a kid has to leave a city the size of Birmingham, Alabama to to go to Houston, Texas to to get a chance and 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 that chance with Houston was not was not with the MLS Development Academy team. It was with a another uh, another Development Academy team, and and so just that whole that whole pathway and journey. It's why I say often of American players, a Christian Pulisic, a Weston McKinney, a Chris Richards, a Josh Sargent. You look at these players, and and. These players are making it despite the system, not because of it. And and as great as it is that these players have reached the levels that they have reached and and are doing the things that they are doing in their in the careers that they are building and the players that they are developing into, as great as those things are, there are a lot of other players who we will never know who for whatever reason, whether it's financial hardship, whether it's not ever getting that that break like Chris got because they play and they play at a high level, but they never get seen. They just never, that, that moment never comes. That scout doesn't show up. Whatever the case may be that, that we never see. And there's so many of those stories that go untold because we don't even know who they are. And that's the sad reality of our system. It's a sad reality that needs to change. And it is within U.S. soccer's grasp and authority and power to change it. If we turned on the lights to every community in this country by having an open and connected system of leagues, now all of a sudden you are providing a pathway for clubs. And on that same soccer interstate highway that the clubs are mo- would be moving on both laterally and vertically up and down the the levels of the connected system of leagues those those players are finding their ways as well we don't have an interstate system in america it's it is country backroads and it's it it is it is not uh, easily accessible to go from coast to coast um, or from, you know, from one place like a Birmingham, even to an Atlanta that's an hour and a half away. Until we have a connected system of leagues, we're going to have players left in the dark and our clubs are going to be uh, un- unable to to reach their potential 
and to build to a level that they could build to if they were given the opportunity to move higher based on sporting merit. Instead, what you have now are are a disconnected and disjointed, segmented system that is it is chaotic and it it is it is dysfunctional in so many ways. That's why you have uh, soccer leagues that battle each other rather than the clubs on the field. Um, that doesn't happen around the world in that way. You don't have leagues going in to poach other clubs in, in, in other parts of the world because those clubs, to get to that league, would have to earn their way there. And so what we have is this aftermath that is just hurting clubs and communities, coaches and players and families. And and that's why I wanted to highlight it, Chris's story today. It is um, it is an incredible story, and we look forward to continuing to follow it as he continues to develop and wish him all the luck in the world uh, to as he d- keeps building his, his career and uh, continues uh, to develop as a player. Um, really inspiring to a lot of kids, and, uh, and, and, and I, I hope that he continues to, to see much success come his way. Thanks for joining the show today. Uh, really uh, like to thank Ken Richards for joining the show. And uh, tomorrow we have Luke Berry, the uh, Director of Operations of Port City FC. They are getting ready to kick off their season in the Gulf Coast Premier League. So we look forward to having Luke on tomorrow to talk about Port City FC and uh, a little bit of the the GCPL as well. So uh, thanks for joining the show today. We will see everyone tomorrow. Tomorrow.